You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to Favel UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. Guess what? Newcastle haven't won a game since we last recorded an episode. Two games have passed since our previous podcast and it is safe to say that a lot has happened. After the 1-1 draw with Wolves, a training ground bust-up between Steve Bruce and Matt Ritchie was subsequently leaked in the press in a massive story in the Daily Mail just a few days after it occurred. And the week leading up to Newcastle's crunch game with West Brom was dominated by these claims that were ultimately confirmed by the club. Newcastle went on to draw 0-0 in that game with West Brom, which caused the millionth meltdown of the season as they failed to beat the side that are 19th in the division. The fire was fuelled even more at the weekend with 18th placed Fulham picking up an unlikely win at Anfield, which has meant that the gap between the Magpies and the bottom three is now just one point as we head into Friday's game against high-flying Aston Villa, who are set to have their best player in Jack Grealish available for selection after missing their last four games. Great. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and today I am joined once again by my NUFC Vavil office writers, Dan Wright and Alex Wood. So, boys, how would we summarise another mad few weeks on board the Newcastle United roller coaster? Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? To start with, we did this just before the Wolves game, didn't we? The last one. Yeah. The Wolves' performance on its own was was quite encouraging until you realise, okay, we've drawn a game that we should have won and our best two attacking players that we had left are now injured joining Callum Wilson. So then you think that's a problem and then you roll into the next week and you have this training ground bust up, there's talk of a mole at the training ground and you just think, what an absolute shambles to be like Fulham, everyone looks so together and we've you see at Newcastle it's just... It's an absolute circus yet again. And that's the reason why we will end up going down. 
because there's no there seems like there's no real cohesion in comparison to the other teams and I think that'd be damaging you know you've got a senior pro falling out with the manager in the most public way possible it, it just can't be good and then you back that up with an absolute disgrace of a performance at the Hawthorns yeah I, I, I completely agree with what everything that Dan's just said there the the tried and tested trope that came out in the media throughout the the week with the training ground bust up was oh this happens at every ground in the country oh this happens all the time Oh, this happens all the time. Maybe between players, and because we've of lack of crowds, we've been able to hear it a lot more with players. The uh, example being Marcus Rashford and Harry Maguire. If you haven't seen the clip of it, um, definitely uh, watch it. It's where Maguire shouts at Rashford for not getting back on side, and Rashford uh, like tells him to go away and stuff it. But never have you had a senior member of a dressing room actively fight or like call the manager of your own football club a coward, and then it be publicised like all the dirty laundry that it definitely is. This is just Newcastle in a nutshell though, isn't it? They're just the most dysfunctional football club and they have been for as long as I've as long as I've known them, as long as I've supported them. Like Dan said, Fulham, Brighton, all these teams among us in this relegation battle all seem to be working together. They've all got fully fit squads. And Newcastle have a, a, a paper thin side. They're all arguing you've got half the the fan base are, are divided. They all want the manager out. The players, it seems, want the manager out, but there seems to be no change on the horizon at all. So what are we thinking about Steve Bruce's position at the club? Because I'm now under the illusion that it is just too late to sack a manager. I know it's five years ago today since Steve McLaren was relieved of his duties after that defeat at Bournemouth. And it just feels like every single week's Groundhog Day, doesn't it? It does, but I don't personally subscribe to the thought that it is too late. I had a thought about it and I thought, it's not. We are, at the minute, at the time of recording, out of the relegation zone. And there's, what, 10 games to Well, we're 16th. We've actually gone up a place. Yeah, we're not even 17th. <laughs> Why do we need to replace them at all? <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, I think it doesn't take a lot to keep us up. I think there's, the players are there. You see reports coming out that they really like Graham Jones. Now, Graham Jones isn't the answer on a long-term basis. But would even that give the players a little bit of boost to help them stay up? I th- I think possibly. But what difference would Jones make in terms of the tactics? Because the understanding is that Graham Jones does quite a lot of the tactical stuff, takes a lot of the training sessions, but Steve Bruce is ultimately the man who picks the side. So the only change you would have there is Graham Jones picking a team, but the formation's changed since Jones came in. He's went to that diamond rule that I think Alex mentioned a few weeks ago, that you know the diamond rule is something Graham Jones has done at Luton when he was there on a, on a temporary basis. So bringing Graham Jones in, like you said, Dan, it's not the answer because I think it would just be more of the same as what we're seeing. But Newcastle have paid £4 million to get rid of Steve Bruce. Yeah, the, uh, the flip side of that as well is, is like, and I hate to look at um, our northeast compatriots in Sunderland at this because look where they are now. But a few years ago when they got rid of their manager, it effectively gave them a massive morale boost and they ended up picking 10 points up in four games. They beat Jose Mourinho for the first ever time at Stamford Bridge and they they ended up surviving that season because Conor Wickham decided he was good at football. So <laughs> like it can happen. There are plenty of stories of where it where it has happened when you when you do the you get rid of the manager and it immediately gives you a boost. The real question is is that what you've just there, said alluded to there, Harry, is will Newcastle pay four million pounds to get rid of Steve Bruce? I personally don't think so. I think we're stuck with him to the end of the season. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Alex. I, I don't think Newcastle will change a manager now. I, I mean, even you know, five years ago, 
the damage was already done. And when Rafa came in, we had some favourable games. I think we had the likes of Sunderland and Norwich, and you know we failed to win those games. So and with a tough run up coming as well, you've got to also consider who would they get in. Who's going to come now and you know go on oh, Newcastle? That, that's a great job I would like because when Rafa left a few years ago, nobody wanted the job. Steve Bruce, I think, was ninth choice or something. I mean, I know they wanted Mikel Arteta. That didn't happen. Patrick Vieira was another one that didn't happen. Steven Gerrard. The list goes on. You know, they approached a number of managers and couldn't get them. So how all of a sudden is Newcastle going to be such an attractive proposition when they're now favourites with the bookies to be relegated alongside West Brom and Sheffield United? And are in a disarray on and off the pitch with a pile of injuries, and after this, you know, next run of games against Aston Villa and Brighton, have another very tough run of games where they'll play the likes of Leicester and Man City and Liverpool. Games that you do not expect Newcastle to pick up any points. You've also got to look at and think of as well all the normal managers that would come in and save clubs currently have jobs. Yeah, Sam Allardyce, Nigel Pearson, they all have jobs. So there's no one available that is tried and tested in the Premier League at saving a football club with this time to go. And don't get me wrong, yeah, the bookies say that Newcastle are among the favourites to go down. And yes, our um, fixture list isn't exactly favourable um, because of the teams that you've just said we've still got to play. But we're not in the relegation zone. We're not West Brom. We're not in West Brom's position. We are still in a favourable position. There's time to fix this. That, that's the, the crucial thing here, isn't it? There is time to fix this situation. Newcastle are 16th in the league. They're a point off the drop, but Fulham, I think, play Man City at the weekend, if I'm if I'm not correct. We've got a game against Aston Villa, which at home, I know Villa are in good form. They've got a much better side than us. They haven't got as many injuries than us, but I, you know, there's, there's no reason why Newcastle can't grab a draw out of that game. Brighton next week is another game you've got to be looking at getting three points. You know, they, they can't score to save their lives. If Newcastle can, can take their chances, that you know, there is every possibility that they can run away with the victory there. So it isn't too late for Newcastle to sort themselves out. And I think Mark Douglas said it uh, on Twitter, right for the Chronicle. He said, you know, Newcastle can get out, get themselves out of this mess. It's so easy for them, but the club are making it difficult with every single move they make, it seems. Yeah, I absolutely agree 100% with, with that. It's They're trying to do everything the hard way and basically hope this massive gamble pays off, which it probably isn't going to be going to, if we're honest. I think you made a good point before about, well, if you get rid of Bruce, who do you get? Because if you look five years ago, however long ago it was, getting a manager like Rafa Benitez, that will that's never good. That's a once in a God knows how many years that you're going to get a manager like that wanting to come to relegation zone. Yep. It's certainly not going to happen this time around. It's just a worry that Steve Bruce isn't the man. We don't know who is the man. There's no one seemingly available that would come in and turn it around. But I think... With Steve Bruce at the helm for the rest of the season, we're nailed on to go down. If you make a change, you might just get some luck and get yourself out of there. Especially after Fulham's results at the weekend, uh, a win at Anfield. I, you know, I watch Liverpool, you know, most weekends, and they never look like they're going to score a goal. And Fulham are a side full of confidence, have no injuries, which I'm, I've, of course will help. But you know, they've got a lot of confidence. And the most startling thing I took from from Sunday's football was that Steve Bruce was happy for Newcastle to get a draw at West Brom, said, you know, you know, we've come away and got a good point. And Scott Parker said, you know, we've come to Liverpool and a draw wasn't enough, we wanted to go and get three points. That's the difference in mentality. And, that, you know, that resonates when you come to the end of a football season when you are fighting to just to get points and stay in the division. Is You've got a manager happy to settle for a draw against 19th place and a manager who will not settle for a point against a side pushing for Champions League football. Massively. Steve Bruce's quotes and in his interview he gave after West Brom massively, massively worry me. 
because if he's this upbeat after a dismal nil-nil draw at West Brom, you've got to think, if you're happy with that, then who are we going to beat? Yeah. Because that's about as bad as it's going to get. And if you can't beat West Brom, then who can you beat? The whole setup of the team was awful. It felt like pre-Sheffield United game, seeing the lineup was like, well, wh where's the pace? Where's anything in this team? That's a team set up for a draw. We, we've been pressing really high as a team, and it's, I, I like watching it more, well, a lot more than usual anyway. And then as soon as Miguel Almiron comes out the side, it's like, oh, we're, we're too scared to do that. We can't do that anymore. So we'll just revert back to type. And it's, why? You've got pace on the bench. Jacob Murphy isn't a good footballer, but get him in there and get get him to be a pest. I just don't understand the team selection or the way he's come out after the game seemingly happy with the point. It's absolutely baffling. The other baffling thing as well was the 94th minute um, substitution for Andy Carroll. Yeah, if you're going to bring Andy Carroll on, you, you bring Andy Carroll on on the 82nd minute, you, you have people whip balls into the box and a seemingly weak and not overly strong aerial West Brom defence, which was the entire thing. It was a baffling game of decisions and substitutions. On the flip side of that, you said obviously Scott Parker was really happy with his side's performance and ha said it. It's not enough to get three points. Sam Allardyce was fuming. Like at the end of the West Brom game, Sam Allardyce was fuming. He knew, he knew that his team were the much better side on that game and deserved to win the game. So he was absolutely livid. And Steve Bruce should have echoed exactly what he said. I don't think West Brom were the better side, to be honest. I thought it was very much a deserved nil-nil draw the way I thought West Brom were just as bad as Newcastle. Yeah. But you, you look at the comparisons here and West Brom have scored the second least amount of goals in the division and have conceded the most by a country mile. 56 goals conceded. I think they've got the worst home record in the league. They've won two games there all season. Yes, the injuries you have to put into perspective, but we still had Joel Linton up front. £40 million pounds you've, you've paid for him. Yeah. Ryan Fraser is a £25 million pound forward. And there's just no confidence in the players as well, especially that chance with Joel Linton where he got through on goal and he tried to square the ball. Just shoot. Yeah. Yeah, have a goal. True. If you don't have a goal, you're, you're never, ever going to score. And that's what I worry about. Playing West Brom, you're going to get a few chances. And if you can't put them away against them, you're going to get limited chances against Villa on Friday. You know, might have four chances against West Brom. We might only get one against Villa and we've got to take that chance. But we won't take that opportunity. That's what just annoys me so much. I'm so depressed about this football club at the minute. I'm sure everybody <laughs> is sucking the life out of them. And I can't wait for the F1 to start next week. And I've got something to look forward to on my weekends. Because Newcastle, everything about the club is so draining. You know, even on a weekend, I, I don't enjoy weekends. I'm sure you're, you're in the same boat as me, lads. You know, you're looking at Fulham's games. You're looking at Burnley's games. You're looking at Brighton's games. You can't just focus on your own team. It is awful supporting this football no. club at the minute. It's hideous, but then if Newcastle somehow get a win against Aston Villa, it's like, oh, we've done it early, get out of the way, and then you don't have to worry so much. Yeah. But <laughs> I, can't, I can't see that happening somehow. Just to go back to the, the game at West Brom for a minute, they are awful. Like They've conceded the most goals, and you can tell why. Like Early on, Joe Linton, who's all got his limitations, of course, he gave them the runaround at the back. They couldn't deal with him. Yeah, he did. But for some reason, we, we just decided oh you know what we'll take the point we'll stop trying to run at them or getting behind and it's just like I don't understand what the man's thinking or what the team collectively are thinking it, it I'm really confused and really quite angry about that game do you think it was a scared performance and a scared decision from Steve Bruce like all of this criticism in the media and then come out oh we'll just set up for this because it's it's a stopgap we've got the biggest game of our season two weeks away We'll focus more on that, and that, that will be the hill we live and die on. 
yeah i think you've nailed it to be honest like it was scared scared to lose scared to make a mistake the complete opposite of fulham is what i would say yeah uh, i totally agree with with both of you boys they look frightened out there and it's no surprise though training there's been talk as well uh, last week about the amount of times they're in training you know i've known for a fact all season they've trained three days a week and it was brought up in that fiery press conference that I was fortunate enough to attend. And Steve Bruce said, you know, we set the schedule with sports scientists. But I think Rafa had them in six days a week training. <laughs> Do you know why he had them in six days a week? Because they need, <laughs> need to be in six days a week because they're not good yeah. enough. And we just don't, we look off the pace as well. We looked really unfit. Joe Willock was knackered after 60 minutes yeah. on Sunday. And you've got to worry about, about the fitness levels, which leads us in very nicely to Friday Night Football. Under the light at St James's Park, it is Aston Villa. The little rivalry between Newcastle and Villa is kind of, you know, gone on for over a decade now, and it seems that they're going to have another say in another one of our relegation seasons. Heading into this fixture, Villa looking and eyeing up a spot in Europe after being in a similar position to us last season in relegation bother. Jack Grealish, their star man, has been unavailable for the last four matches, but it looks like he's going to at least make the bench on Friday. So, lads, what are we thinking heading into this game? Is this a, a loss nailed on, or do we think Newcastle can somehow pull a result out of this? When I heard the bad news that Jack Grealish was available, that was kind of like a big moment before the match has even kicked off, because without him, I, as truly terrible as Newcastle are, and we are terrible, without Jack Grealish, I've watched Villa a few times, and they look half the team. They really struggle to play that final pass, and they don't score a lot of goals. So I was kind of getting myself hopeful thinking you know what Newcastle potentially could nick this but Grealish has played against us before and just he usually absolutely dominates the midfield and I fully expect him to do the same to be honest on Friday. Yeah I, I completely echo what, what Dan says they might not score a lot of goals with without Grealish but the one thing that they've actually managed to really really do this season is keep clean sheets. Um, Martinez they're, they're Signing from Arsenal in the summer as one of the best goalkeepers in the league this season has been outstanding. They have 14 clean sheets between all of them. So if they're not conceding goals against really high-ranking teams like West Ham and Leicester's and all that lot, then how are we, little Newcastle with Joe Linton, going to score <laughs> goals against them? I was just looking at their last four games that they've, they've had without Jack Grealish and they've only conceded... I think it's three goals out of those four games and they've had two defeats in there. So if they are to lose games, it is usually 1-0 or 2-1. And the teams they've lost to, you know, Leicester, you know, you expect Leicester to beat Aston Villa even without Jack Grealish. The only freak result I've seen in there and the only little beacon of confidence we can take from this is they did lose to Sheffield United, who were ultimately, I would say, a side worse than us with 10 men. So maybe we can adopt the approach of Sheffield United. Could we see a return to the back five, maybe, to try and oh, null him? I know, I know it's horrendous, but <laughs> Federico Fernandez is back. He's fully fit. I know he didn't feature on Sunday, but I think we've missed him at the back. Paul Dummett as well was another positive, I thought, of Sunday. I thought he, I thought he played well. I think he's a lot more suited you know, in this like dogfight that we're in now to Jamal Lewis. Yeah. He just seems a little bit naive for Premier League football. I know he's only young. He's got great potential ahead of him. I'm sure he'll be a solid player in four or five years' time, but Newcastle need players now that are going to perform. Yeah. Talking about system, I really, really hope it's not the back five because Newcastle don't play that well at all. We've seen that. No. I think the system that we've been playing since Everton-ish has a lot of potential, but I think it's imperative that we switch it up slightly and just maybe even just nuance changes. Like, 
it's sort of what it's sort of like wide strikers sort of thing that we've got at the minute. So whereas Wilson is very capable of bullying them down the channels, and then you might have Fraser on the other side try to do a similar thing. We haven't got the players capable to do that at the moment with Wilson not being there. So I think we should go a sort of like a more traditional four three three with players that stay wide. So I would like to see Murphy on one side, Fraser on the other, and Gale Gale in the in the middle. I don't know what you think about that, but I think that is the way forward for me. And then you've got your three-man midfield, which gives you a bit of stability, and then your back four. I completely agree. You just either have two players sitting on Jack Grealish and allowing and stopping mm-hmm. him, fouling him, and stopping anything that he can create, or you have one player holding, one player just going box to box, which is your John Joe Shelby, and then uh, allowing Joe Willock that late run that he loves to into the area so that he can potentially nick a goal if we if we do potentially go forward. I also can see the flip side of it as well uh, and the back five in slotting Dummett in that centre-back role that will allow him to go uh, left wing back and then playing Matt Ritchie there. I don't know whether Matt Ritchie is Steve Bruce's favourite person at the moment <laughs> but we can see that definitely happening and it is a system that a lot of those players have played before. If you are going to use Matt Ritchie at left back, Paul Demet at centre back, uh, Lascelles at centre back, and then Fernandez there, and then whoever you want on the right side of there. Um, I don't know if Manquillo's fit uh, yet, but if you want to use Kraft, who I actually think didn't have a terrible game against West Brom, no. he just cannot pass a football. He defensively he was pretty good, but going forwards he is terrible. So that back five <laughs> there is it is kind of a solid thing. Justice for Kieran Clark, Alex. Yeah, I was was waiting for his name. (laughs) Kieran Clark is our our best defender. I think Dumb at at left wing back, left back. I think he played there under Rafa with with the centre half trio of Lascelles, Fernandez, and Clark, and then right wing back Jacob Murphy for me. Someone who's going to you know can bomb for but can still defend. I don't think they'll go to the to the back five if I'm being brutally honest. But back onto Jack Grealish. I know he's been so important for Aston Villa this season, and the results have dipped regardless of whether he plays or not, I don't actually think they'll start him, even if he is fit. I think he'll be on the bench. As let's be honest, I don't think they need to risk him against Newcastle. I think they'll have enough to beat us anyways. But Villa have still picked up decent results without him. I think they're a solid squad. I mean, Callum Wilson will be kicking himself that he did reject Aston Villa. As much as he says that he, you know, he's, he's, he's not bitter about it, I'm sure he will be, because I think he would have scored a lot of goals in that side. So, boys, the question is, how do we beat this Villa team how do we break down this side just don't be scared of them yeah I know that's like a simple thing but just go into the game like they they were in a worse position than we are this time last season and look where they are now there's no reason to fear them massively I think that leads us well to try and wrap up this podcast and what we like to do here on Time Up is get a prediction uh, from everybody so Aston Villa on Friday at St James's Park what's your score predictions Dan I'll go to you first I'm torn between a 1-0 loss and a 2-0 loss, so they're not great, but I'll go 1-0 because Villa, a lot of games are low scoring. I can't see us scoring. We don't look like scoring, so 1-0 Villa. I am going to be the negative Nancy and I'm going to say 3-0 with Ollie Watkins getting a brace. I'm going to be positive and there's reason behind my madness is I'm going to St James's (laughs) Park on Friday, fortunate enough to be going to the game. I've been twice this season and it's been two victories, Everton and Southampton. We've both won. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to see the trend is going to continue and Newcastle are going to sneak a 1-0 victory. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United as well as the Premier League, the EFL and of course the Champions League. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.